You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. Praise God as you see that open your Bible at Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. You shall bring forth a son, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Last week, Sunday morning, we looked at the message of reconciliation, the Christmas message of reconciliation. And then that Sunday evening, last week, we looked at the Christmas message of salvation. And today, we're going to have a look at the Christmas message of restoration. As we entered into this year, we know that God gave us a word, and whenever He gives us a word, you understand that when God declares word to us, He's not declaring a future like a fortune teller would. This is what's going to happen in your life. When God declares a future, He knows the plans He has for us. And they are plans for a future and for a hope. And Jesus said that we as His sheep would hear His voice and the Holy Spirit would come to remind us of what we've been taught so that He can teach us all things to guide us into truth and showing us things to come. God's plan will never be thwarted. No matter what the enemy does, he's tried for centuries to try and stop the plan of God. Even when it came to Jesus preaching on the earth, the Bible says that when he was crucified, had the prince of this world known, he would never have crucified Jesus. Even that the devil put Jesus on a cross, looked like he was destroying the word in the earth, became the very tool that God used in his death and resurrection to get each and every one of us saved. And we can all enter into eternal life. Thank God for His grace. Thank God that He has given us a plan that no matter what the devil tries to do, God's plan will always come to pass. But here's the thing. Whether you and I are part of the plan, that is our choice. God will still get His plan done. He will do it any way that He can. And no matter what happens, even things that look like they've landed up for destruction, He will turn out for good. And His plan will always come to pass. I don't know about you, but I want to be on the top of that plan. I want to enjoy the best of His plan. How do you say amen to that? God is God and He is Lord and He is our Savior. And with Him we can do all things through His power and His strength and the very anointing of Christ that strengthens us. And so as we see that God has this plan set up, that as we entered into the year, 
He gave us a declaration that no matter what has happened in previous years, that we can expect relationship, restoration, and reconciliation. And as we draw towards the end of the year and we're heading towards a new year, I want to make sure that our hearts are in the right place because this year so many people have experienced horrible tragedies. People have experienced tremendous loss in so many different areas. Number one, in, in family members that have died and passed on. Uh, others have experienced it in, in relationships that were put under stress and have been broken as a result of it. I, I read a statistic the other day that since lockdown began is that divorce rates have gone up. And, and you, you kind of wonder, why would that be? And it's because people that were just putting up with each other could go to work and be out of each other's hair. But now that they were forced to live together, they found out they, they thought they wouldn't be able to do that. And that's a sad thing that people that got married because they wanted to spend their lives together can't spend for, for, for you know, uh, for, for, for me who loves my wife, I get to spend more time with her. I'm you say amen to that. And so a lot of people have been under stress and pressure and, and, and lost jobs and finances and things like that. And it's very easy for the enemy to get us to focus on these things and start to look at it and, and think it's, it was such a bad year and it was such a heavy year and it was such a dark year and it was such a struggling year. But you know what? The Word of God declares that this is the day the Lord has made. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. And then that's a declaration from as you enter the day. It's not like until something happens. No, this is the day I will be glad in it. And then something can happen. We know that Jesus said the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And sometimes these things do happen in our lives. We understand that we don't always have control of what happens and people happen and things happen. And, and you know, it's just the way it is out there. There's a very real enemy. But thank God that you and I are in a place that even when those attacks come, we can be in a place and say, Father, I, I see it happening around me, but I'm making a choice right now. I'm going to be glad. I'm going to rejoice because I believe you've got this. You have this. And I'm expectant to see my restoration. I'm expectant to see reconciliation. You and I have a covenant relationship. And as you read through the Old Testament, you see again and again and again and again. There's David looking at an enemy and the whole of Israel are, are hiding in fear because of one man trying to tear them down and tear down their dignity. And who are you? And I'll defeat you and I'll cut you all up. And, and, he's, and he's taunting them. And he has this young shepherd boy and says, but we are the ones with covenant. Who's this uncircumcised Philistine? He's standing there on his own. He's exposed. We have covenant with God. And we're going to become confident in that covenant that in the midst of an enemy ready to take us out, we can stand tall and say, you know what? We serve a living God. I have a relationship with the God of this universe whose word is yes and amen. And it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you decreed a thing from its beginning, he will make sure it comes to pass. And he'll personally watch over that word to perform it. And no weapon formed against me is going to succeed because I'm trusting God and in him I have my hope. And faith is the substance of that hope. And it's the things that I don't see. I know I have evidence of it. And then declaring that with a heart full of faith and confidence. And seeing God bring it to pass. 
And if this is the day he's made, then he made this week. And I will rejoice and be glad in it. And if I'm rejoicing and glad in a week, I'll rejoice and be glad in a month. And when you add up the 12 months, you come to a year. This is the year. And I'm going to rejoice no matter what has happened. I'm choosing to be glad in it. I'm not going to let the devil steal one thing from me. Never mind a year. He's not taking this year and stamping his name on it. How you say amen to that? And Jesus was sent to the earth for a reason. And, and yeah, the angel is telling Joseph, you call his name Jesus. Now that we read today in the English, it's a translation, yeah, from the original Greek word. But that word, you know, Joseph was Hebrew. And so you know the word that the angel spoke to him is that, that Hebrew word, Yeshua. Yeshua, the word Yah is God. The, 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 the end of that phrase, Shua, is, is based on the numbers. If you're going to look it up in a concordance, it's 3068 is the name of God. And then 3467 talks about salvation, talking about God who saves. You call his name God who saves. Every time a Hebrew person called him Yeshua, his mom called him Yeshua from across the house. It was saying, God saves. God saves. <laughs> Every time anybody called on his name was God saves. When you say Jesus, you're not just saying J-E-S-U-S. You're saying God who saves. God who saves. Say that out loud. That's his very name. Every time you call on the name Jesus, it's God who saves. Why do you think the devil tries to turn it into a curse word, a swear word? Because we're going to try and take the power out of it. No, you're not stripping any power of it. Not you, not anyone. No one's going to strip the power out of the name of Jesus. Just think of it. Every time you hear that name, don't be a, you know, even if someone uses it in a bad context, <laughs> that person just declared, God saves. God saves. That's the God that you serve. That, that's, the, that's the name he gave his son. And if you call on that name, whoever calls on that name will be saved. See, God does not want you in destruction. God doesn't want you hurting. God doesn't want you struggling. For years, the devil's tried to sell that lie through religion that God somehow uses circumstances and calamities and problems and things to get his perfect plan done. You never know what God's higher ways are. No, he came for one purpose. Yeah, you see John chapter 3 verse 16. God so loved the world. God so loved the world that he gave. His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everybody say everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. See, family, that everlasting life is exactly what Jesus used in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, that they may 
have that life more abundantly. Yeah, the Greek word used is the word zoe. It's the very word used to describe the life of God. Everlasting life talks about the life of God. Now, when you look at that verse, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come. There's a swing turn there. You could have put the word but in between there. I have come that they may have life. See, there's no gray area. Jesus drew a line so clear. I don't know why religious tradition still has a problem trying to figure this one out. That's why I don't have a problem reading the Bible because whatever verse comes in, yeah, but what about this verse? I go back to John 10, 10. Why? He is the word. You have to read every verse through the, those lenses. You have to use every single verse, anything you read in that Bible, filter it through that line. Jesus made it very clear. If it's stealing, killing, destroying, it is the devil. I came that they may have life. There's no gray area. There's a clear line. It's very easy. All you have to do is analyze the situation. Say, is there any stealing in there? Is there any killing in there? Is there any destroying in there? Yes, this column, the thief. I'd never confused whether God is doing this or God has a great lesson in this or God. Now, he will take a bad situation and turn it for your good. And you can learn a lot from it, but you didn't have to go through it to learn. You could have chosen to learn before you went through it. The scriptures given for instruction, reproof, and correction. Isn't that right? And so the word has declared that God, Jesus himself, as the word says, he came that you may have life and have that life more abundantly. So that my Jesus, the God who saves, has given me his life so that I can enjoy life more abundantly. Go back to John chapter 3. That's those that who believe in him will not perish Verse 16, but have everlasting life. That's the life he's talking about. Life without killing, stealing, or destroying. Now, you do understand that at the, our bodies will reach the end of its lifespan. We're not talking about that. The Bible says that when you're born again, you will never die. Your body may reach an end, and there's a time when we all need to check out. And there's a, there's a lifespan because of the curse. And we do understand that. But I don't want to leave before I'm done with my assignment. I'm not going to let the devil steal from me. I remember what Kenneth Hagin once taught is that there was a, a lady who was, had a seriously bad disease. And, and she was on, a, on the deathbed. And he came and spoke to her. And she was, she was aged. And he said to her, uh, you know, can you believe God for your healing? And she said, well, you know, I'm done. I'm ready to go. And he said, no, I understand that. She says, but we all have to die. He says, yes, we do. But don't let the devil take you out. Get healed and then close your eyes and go to sleep. But don't let the sickness be that which takes you out. And she said, I, oh, I can see that. And she said, all right, I receive that. And she received the healing. And she got up out of that bed and she lived a whole bunch of more years. You see, she was ready to check out that day. But then it would have been the devil. But because she chose a healing, she still lived more years. Come on, you're getting a hold of that? So 
you must understand that God has given you the privilege of not allowing the enemy to hurt you, to steal from you, to destroy your life in any way. Shout amen. And so, yeah, we see that God's telling us we have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. Verse 18, He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. See, family God, no one's going to hell for their sins. The sins are paid for. It's because we don't believe. Now, you can take that same statement into every other area of our lives. Why have I not experienced this? Or why have I not experienced that? And it comes back to, how were you born again? You chose to believe He loves you. You gave your life to Jesus. You called on the name Jesus, the God who saves. And what happened? Your spirit was saved. You're born again. Well, the same way in every other area of your life, no matter what the devil tries to steal from you, you can call on the same name, Jesus. And when you call Jesus, He is the God who saves. Amen. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. Why did Jesus come to the earth? That He might destroy the works of the devil. Destroy. There is no way anybody can ever convince me that God will use the devil to try and get his job done. And they'll try and point to things like Job when the enemy showed up, that the devil had to have God's permission. Now, you understand that God said, when uh, I don't have time to study it out, but you go read it, you'll see where God said to the devil, look, everything that he has is already in your hand. God didn't turn him over to the devil. See, God, that's the thing about God. He's a God of integrity. He will never lie or even cover up something. He doesn't even tell half-truths so that you don't get the full truth. He, if it's truth, he'll say it. And he, Job was exposed. He wasn't going to kind of hide him and say, no, he's, 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 a, he's a, been a fool right now, so I'll kind of cover for him. No, he had exposed himself. And you keep studying it out, you'll find out Job later said, my worst fear has come upon me. Fear contaminates faith. So he was going through religious ritual, but out of a heart of fear. And that had exposed him. And so that's what the enemy used. It wasn't God using the devil to sort Job out. You getting this? Even Paul with the thorn in the flesh. They say, well, you know, he was given this thorn in the flesh to keep him humble. God doesn't need the devil to keep you humble. The last thing the devil wants is you're humble. He's going to fill you with every form of pride that he can. Isn't that right? No. Paul made it very clear. It says it was a messenger of Satan. Hallelujah. And then you read later where he wrote to Timothy and he said that you've seen me and you've watched me preaching the gospel. You've seen my life. You've seen what I've been through and how the Lord delivered me from them all. He was delivered from that thorn of flesh. Once he got revelation of God's grace. Now, the reason I'm saying all of this is because, yeah, out of the mouth of the very word of God, John is saying, for this purpose, Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil. I don't tolerate 
anything the devil's putting in my life. You should embrace your fears. Give me a break. I have faith that will flush fear out. The love of God casts all fear out. And it's in that love that if it's sickness, if it's disease, if it's poverty, if it's lack, if it's anything like that, I will not tolerate it. I will fight it with faith until I see the victory. I thought I'd have more amens by now. Look at Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. 3 verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Why? How did he do it? Having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Why? So that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Christ redeemed you from the curse so that the blessing can come upon you. Praise God. You have a look at Deuteronomy chapter 28. And you take some time to read through it. That's why I said to Pastor Danny, thank you. You saved me some time. I don't have to go do the reading now. We read it just now. But for the sake of those that are listening, you need to go read it again. And, and, and have a look at Deuteronomy chapter 28. There again, God is very clear. Very clear. He says, if you obey me, these blessings will come upon you. And he starts to list out all the blessings. But if you walk away from me, then what happens is these curses come. And that's the result of not walking under God's covenant protection. But if you choose to serve him, now everything under that curse, and you go read through it, go read through the curses, and you will find in there listed is poverty, lack, destruction, sickness. It's all there. And the reason for it, no way. In fact, in there it says this sickness will come upon you and you'll be destroyed until you are dead. It wasn't until, until you learn your lesson. It's sent to destroy. But Jesus bore that curse so that you can go to the beginning of verse 28. So that all the blessings of the blessing can come upon you. And you go read through that blessing and it talks about your womb being fruitful, your basket being fruitful, your businesses being fruitful, your children being successful, God providing for you, looking after you, multiplying, increasing you. And then the one verse that Pastor Danny did skip, let me read it for you. Verse 7, Deuteronomy 28 verse 7. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Your enemy. Who's your enemy? Not your neighbor who cut your tree down. Uh, who's your enemy? We don't wrestle flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the demons' forces. But watch this. When your enemy comes against you, God will defeat them. God will cause them to flee. <laughs> I love this. Every time I read this, my mind just, you know, I, I love reading the word with an open mind and, and learning what God is trying to say through what he says, because God never uses words uh, lightly. But I can imagine a demon coming against me and me standing up in the name of Jesus and that demon trying to flee seven ways. 
what must that look like? Trying to go in seven different directions at the same time. That's the very face of panic. That, that, that's, that's the picture of panic. Uh, which way? This way? No, this way. No, this way. No, this way. He's just trying to any way and everywhere he goes, there's an angel. He's trying to get out, but there are angels everywhere. He's just trying to get as far away from that person who just called on the name of Jesus. I'm trying to get out of his presence. I mean, don't be afraid of the devil. People come to me and say, I felt there was a devil in my room last night. Well, why didn't you just call the name Jesus? You don't have to be afraid of the devil. If the devil ever shows up, you took a wrong turn. You must be new in town. You don't know who I am. That's always the picture I get. You know when Jesus said when the house is swept clean, you cast the devil out. Make sure you fill it with the word of God because he'll come back with seven worse. Always wondering, why does the devil come back with seven worse? It's because once he's thrown out, his assignment's not done. The, the chief in charge, Lucifer, Satan himself, he doesn't care what the devil feels like. I've given you a job to go harass that man. He says, but I can't do it. He kicked me out. He beat me up. Oh, the word of God came against me. Yeah, but you still got a job to do. And he goes and he finds seven others. But all, everyone in town, all the demons that are here don't want to know. Now, I've been there, been at that house, we out. So he has to go out of town, find other demons and come back. Because somehow we're going to have to try and get back into this man's life. But here's the thing. I don't care if seven others come, you still call on the name of Jesus. And whether it's 700 or 7,000, it doesn't matter. One can come against you. 10,000 can rise against you. It'll fall because you have the name of God who saves. Shout out Jesus. A whole bunch of demons just ran. But now say it like you really are chasing a demon. We don't want to be in a place where the devil looks and says, Paul, I know, Jesus, I know, but who? No, when you speak, he's got to know you spoke to him. Can you try one more time? Get some authority, get some oomph in there. Ready? I love that God fights on our behalf. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now you notice there's a comma and. But how many you recognize that portion of scripture? That's what Jesus got up to read when he came out of the wilderness, anointed with power. But you notice the Bible says he closed the book there and he started preaching. That was his ministry. The comma was Jesus' ministry. That's why he came into the earth. At that moment, the Spirit of the Lord's upon him. He's anointed him to preach the good news, to set the captives free, to declare the year of liberty. 
And then he says, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me. That scripture today is fulfilled. That was Jesus' ministry on the earth. But then you notice he says before he goes, he says to the disciples, it's important that I go because when I go, I'll send the Holy Spirit. And he said, he will comfort you. Remember that? See, that's the comma and. So now we've stepped into the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So that's the ministry of Jesus. Now you're going to the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. Everybody say comfort. See, that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So there's two things that the ministry of the Holy Spirit will do. Number one, comfort those who mourn. He's your comforter. Number two, the vengeance of the Lord. Vengeance is not revenge. See, revenge is an emotion humans have. I've got to get you back. Vengeance is God saying, my word will not be violated and I will make sure all of my military force will enforce what I have said. This is that causing your enemies to, to flee before you. So when you are attacked, do you notice that if, 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 if something happens in your life, you're attacked or whatever, and you don't report it to the police, you don't call on justice, the wheels don't begin to turn. You have to go raise a case to get the police to act. And then, you know, if anyone's arrested, you have to then charge them to get them to carry out their sentence. If you just sit at home and cry, I don't know why no one does anything. No, no one's doing anything because you haven't yet reported it. So the same way what happens in our lives, if we don't say anything about it, it'll just keep going on. But the day comes when you understand your authority and you understand the ministry that we're living under in the Holy Spirit is that when something happens in your life, you stand up and say, no, this is not supposed to happen. Not in the kingdom of God and not with me as a child of God. An enemy came against my life. It came against my family, against my home, against my business. And I am issuing a decree, a warrant of arrest. I'm issue. I'm calling on the vengeance of the Lord. And you call on the vengeance of the Lord. And verse 3, he'll console those who mourn in Zion to give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that He may be glorified. Family, I understand a lot of us have gone through terrible tragedy, but Satan would like nothing more than to drag us down into despondency and despair and grief and mourn. But family of God, whatever has happened, and I say this with all the heart of the Spirit of God. This is not a flippant statement. I've prayed it through, and it's by the Spirit of God. Whatever has happened, has happened. And our mourning will never change it. It's done. But this is a new day. I said this is a new day. When Job recognized what had happened, he lost all his family, all of his businesses, his staff, everything. And his own body was inflicted. 
But then he got up and he washed and he rejoiced and he made sacrifice before God. And God moved into his life and restored him twice what he had before. It is time to say, devil, you will not have my year. I am standing strong and no matter what has happened, I put it behind me and I'm choosing to rejoice because I have God who is going to wreak vengeance on my behalf and I'm ready to receive everything that God paid the price for. And I'm going to turn from mourning to joy. Beauty for ashes. Hallelujah. Verse 4. And you will rebuild the old ruins. You will rebuild that business. And they shall raise up the former desolations and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Strangers will stand and feed your flocks. The sons of the foreigner shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord, and they shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you will have double honor. Instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. And therefore in their land they shall possess double everlasting joy shall be theirs. For I, the Lord, Love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct your work in truth and make with them an everlasting covenant. So the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. Their descendants shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. Family of God, God has blessed you. I said, God has blessed you. Others will see it. Acts chapter 3 verse 19. Repent therefore, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. Jesus, the God who saves. Why does he want to blot our sins out? So that we can go to heaven. Going to heaven only exists because this body will die. What's God's intention? Times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Isn't God present here? See, we don't have to go to heaven to have heaven here. And that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before, from whom heaven must receive until the time of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of His holy prophets since the world began. Family of God, I want you to notice, God did not save you just to get to heaven. If we leave this earth before He returns, then you will have a place in heaven. But that's temporary. Until he returns. Because the Bible says when he returns, he'll come with all the saints from heaven. 
and heaven and earth will pass away and there'll be a new heaven and earth and he will set up in the earth his kingdom. That's what the word says. So we're not just saved to get to heaven. We've been saved for the restoration of all things that he spoke from the beginning through every prophet. You find any promise from God, you have every right to call for that to be restored into your life. See, it's on that basis that Janine and I have had our children because according to the curse, both our bodies were cursed. Neither one of us were able to produce. But we chose to believe the covenant of God and we called on the name of Jesus and we didn't have to wait to get to heaven to see children one day. The Lord restored our reproductive systems and here are our children today. Can you see that? The devil's not stealing that from me. Family God, I want to encourage you as we end out this year, get excited about what God has done in your life. And whatever the enemy tried to use to steal and to destroy, you can stand up and say, that far, no further. You're not getting my joy at all. This is the day, this is the year the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Because when you see what God is about to do in my life, I'm ready for some double. I'm ready for some. Come on, if you believe that, give your Jesus praise today. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Praise God, praise God, praise God. The message of Christmas. Restoration. He came to restore his intention, his plan. Hallelujah. Say this. I receive that living word. That word brings faith to my heart. And as a believer, I'm not a doubter. And I fully expect to see everything God intends for my life. I receive full restoration. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, praise God.